info dumping, our favorite love language. This is the Hyperfixation Podcast. It's continuing mission to acquire an approximate knowledge of many things, to seek out interests in 30 to 45 minutes, to boldly info dump where no one has gone before. the hyperfixation where my friends come on to our show and tell us about things that excite them for 30 to 45 minutes or longer because i don't know the timer is a lie my name is roma Ostam and i use the they and them pronouns and today i am joined by my co-host kingdom oh kingdom and i'm back for season four uh i use he him back. i'm just hanging out today hanging out and we're in the minivan the passenger van mm-hmm. i'm driving but you know who's in our back seat? It's Miss Ashley. Oh, I'm Ashley. I use the oh. she and the hers. The she and the hers. And you are here to tell us about a very wonderful series. Is that correct? I'm here to talk about Star Trek. So <laughs> and all go. of its wonders. Well, not all of its wonders. That would take too long, but some of its wonders. It's, a, it, it's been a long time. There's a lot of Star Trek. I want to say it's like over, not to make a reference, but like literally over 9,000 hours long to catch up. And I want to say that was before a few other series were made. So. 9,000. It's a a lot. There's a lot of shows. Most of them are an hour long episodes. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I need to look up something. You look at how long 9,000 hours is. How many hours is One Piece? Oh, it's probably more. No. Uh, As of July 27, 2023, there's 427.6 hours or 17 days of One Piece. That's not as much as I thought, honestly. It doesn't make sense. There's so many One Pieces inside Star Trek. At least two. At least two. <laughs> okay, I, I might have gotten my numbers wrong. It is, as of this very reputable Redditor, um, about 29 days if you watched it without any breaks to catch up for all of the series up to now. Okay, it's, well then, a little less than two One Pieces. It's uh, 17.81 days for One Piece. Yeah. Less yeah. than two. Like 12 more days. Star Trek's old. It's like it's 57 or something. And Patrick Stewart the entire time has looked like the same old man. It's true. I, I believe like you could look up pictures of him when he was like 18 and he looks exactly the same. <laughs> He's still bald with white hair. What kind of deal? What kind of devil? I need to know. Where did he drink the water of youth? Oh, probably around 18. If I had <laughs> to guess. <laughs> So if, 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 if Star Trek's that long, how much of it are we going to like go over right now? So I my plan is to give you an, uh, the, a mostly approximate knowledge up until from TOS, the original series, to Deep Space Nine and dive into Deep Space Nine because it is my favorite of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't get the love it deserves. 
It, I, it was called The Middle Child when it was running. Uh, when it was running? Yeah. What would it be the between? What would it be in the middle of? It was in between The Next Generation and Voyager. Was Voyager airing at the same time? Is that how they do that? Yeah, there were oh. two airing at the same time. Oh, that feels weird. That's like two Yu-Gi-Oh! seasons airing at the same time. Well, it's because Deep Space Nine is a different beast. <laughs> okay, I'll trust you on Deep that. Deep Space Nine is very different. But, okay, starting... Well, wait, um, wait, wait. I have, hmm? few, I have one question for you. Well, one question. I also wait, have a question. Mar- oh, yeah, we have questions. Two I don't want to stop you. Um, so... Unless this is what you were about to say, then I'm so sorry. Well, for I was going to ask some you. questions as well, but you're good. <gasps> okay. When did this start for you? Where, where, what was the oh, moment God. like when you first found Star Trek? I was a child watching it on the TV because we got BBC America uh, was playing it for some reason, even though it's not a British show. Um, yeah. It was just on there for some reason. They, um, they just follow Patrick Stewart around. Honestly. <laughs> But I was just watching it and I was just like, they're, they're funny looking. I like them. And that's where it kind of ended until one of my exes was like, let's watch Voyager. And I'm like, there's more Star Trek than Patrick Stewart. Um, and then it hasn't stopped since. I am madly in love with this series as much as I also hate it. It's a love hate relationship. It truly is because they don't care about their canon as much as I do. Um, (laughs) I was already on this show talking about Mass Effect and being the same mad about that. So, yeah, Lord. You know, um, I remember when I was a kid, like I was like maybe like what, eight, nine. My dad watched a shit ton of Star Wars or Star Wars, Star Trek. I'm so sorry. Shoot me now. How could you (laughs) shoot me now? He, my dad likes both, so he he like read a ton of Star Wars and watched a lot of uh, Star Trek. But um, I think Voyager is the only Star Trek that I am any sorts of vaguely familiar with. Um, That's a good one. No but, asterisk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but people I will also... get mad at me if I don't put an asterisk. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> I've had people mad at me. I don't want it again. I just like the world. Um, <laughs> but to be fair, I also have not seen... Uh, a whole lot of Star Wars either. Like I have a very vague knowledge of Star Wars. I think I know more about Mass Effect than I do Star Wars. Are, um, are we still talking about Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, no, I wanted to clear. You know how there's the Star Wars versus Star Trek? Sure. The, Makes apparently, no sense. It's the, the, really? <laughs> it's very the, different uh, things. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> like, who okay. cares? It, well. From from my upbringing in my high school and middle school days, it was very important which one you were. Okay. So that's where that yeah. thought process came from when it also does not matter to me. But uh, I guess it was just more of like, I, I'm vaguely familiar with both of these properties and I'm very interested to know more. I just nobody's clockworked orange to me into it yet. Well, here I am for one of them. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, other question. Uh, I was just going to also say I was I was going to ask Roma how much they knew. And I was also going to say, I don't know sh- that much about Star Trek. I watch a lot of uh, Red Letter Media's content because uh, I like those guys. Um, but and they talk about Star Trek a lot, just because the main host guys really like the the uh, Next Generation, like really really like it. So they just like have this show on their fucking YouTube, but they just talk about episodes that they like a lot. Um, so I vaguely know some stuff about that. I know what the I know who the Cardassians are. 
I know certain episodes like the inner light and stuff for the next generation, but that's really it. And I've kind of wanted to watch it, but also have been told certain things about how to watch it. And it's confusing. Did you say Kardashians? Kardashians. Oh. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> they are fabulous. Absolutely not. They're great <laughs> lizard freaks, but <laughs> there's one that is amazing that we will learn about later. Oh, fuck um, yeah. But it's actually good. You know about Kardashians because they are one of the main villains of Deep Space Nine. So, um, any further questions before I, I start asking questions of my own? I think I'm good. Uh, no, I think I'm good too. I awesome. think I'll ask them as they come as they come up if that's yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always feel free to stop me because I know I'm probably going to go by pretty quickly for like two series worth of stuff um so the first question i want to posit what kind of television do you like do you like serialized or episodic because that will change my recommendation of what anyone should watch romy go first well i had to go are you looking up what serialized It follows a, a strict milk. narrative. You can't like just jump around where episodic is kind of each episode is its own contained thing. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I actually, it depends on the day. Like, I think it depends on how hard mm-hmm. I want to use my brain. But most of the time, if I'm sitting down to watch television, which is kind of rare for me because I can't sit still long enough to watch television, um, it's got to be serialized. But if yeah, I, if I feel, if I just story. want. If something's just on in the background while I'm aggressively cleaning my house, then I would prefer episodic. Yeah. I'm pretty much the same way. Um, where, yeah, like, I mean, fucking, I, I'd sit down and watch an episode of The Simpsons, like, just turn brain off kind of thing, but I much prefer serialized. And I got, I got a lot of flack because I talked a lot of stuff about JoJo's and I didn't like part three as much part three and part four as much as other people did because it's more episodic monster of the week. Yeah, I'm much more into the serialized section. Well, that is good because I will be covering Deep Space Nine. I think the most serialized of the shows to where there's like three of its uh, three episodes of its seven season run that I think you could skip. Okay. Um, so I think you should skip the other ones. You should, they're not all extremely important, but they do get called back to that's um, something I've heard. I've heard from a lot of Star Trek, like diehard Star Trek fans who are also like, yeah, you can skip like these episodes. Don't worry about that. That's not real, which is, interesting to hear I wouldn't from. S- there's one episode that isn't real in deep space nine i don't believe okay. it at all okay. um just because it's so cruel for no reason um so, and that's, yeah that's also fair. star trek is not happy in deep space nine it is a sad intense story we love um, but sci-fi. anyway we are going to start with a brief history of the star trek timeline going pretty fast through it so the the first big event that diverges from what we know um, is the eugenics wars. Hey, yo! Which... <laughs> <laughs> the eugenics wars is an event in human history uh, before we reach out towards the stars 
where we kind of mastered genetic engineering and we started making genetically engineered babies that were too smart and strong and started a war with us because they wanted to take over. Well, they grew up. (laughs) (laughs) I got better. (laughs) They they grew up. Time passed. uh, eventually the eugenics wars um end and we kind of we ban genetic engineering and send the augments is what they're called the genetically engineered babies they're augments and we s- just put them on a ship and throw them into space so they don't come back <laughs> With a, um okay mm-hmm. yeah early same. it is not a happy time in history before we meet the aliens in this universe. So right after the eugenics wars is World War Three. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, what I didn't mention, the eugenics wars happened in the 90s. Um, and so World War Three is like a little bit after where we are right now. Is this lore that was would have been written in like the 50s? Uh, yeah, the eugenics wars are explicitly made in the original series. OK, so, yeah, it would have been from writers from the 50s and 40s. Yeah, they thought we were going to go much further than we did. That makes sense. Um, they they might still be right about World War Three, but um, unconfirmed. It, it's very fun. Multiple times throughout Star Trek, they travel back to specifically 2024. And uh, they're not wrong anyway. Uh... So World War Three happens and we nuke the entire planet. And so everyone's just kind of like. Well, that sucks. Let's do some science. <laughs> and a man named Zephram Cochran, a drunkard, a, <laughs> a drunkard, invents the warp drive, which is what allows people to do faster than light travel. Nice. And in using it for the first time, the Vulcans, which it, you, every I hope everyone here knows who Spock is. Mm-hmm. He is a Vulcan, half Vulcan. Um, they're just like, hey, somebody used warp. We should go say hi. And so that kind of brought us into the new era of, hey, humanity's kind of together now, more or less. And we're doing pretty good um, now that the aliens have brought us out of the Dark Ages after World War Three. That honestly, mm -hmm. like I knew Mass Effect had a lot like a lot of inspiration from from, uh, Star Trek. That's very much what Mass Effect did, too. Yeah, that's neat. (laughs) I'll call it neat and not blatantly ripping Star Trek off. I will say Star Trek is probably one of, if not the most influential sci-fi of the last hundred years. Oh, for sure. So everything kind of takes from it at one point or another. Um, But yeah, so in the next 100, 200 years, humanity goes exploring. Um... And they found the Federation of Planets with a couple different races um, that aren't important because they're old races and we don't see them anymore after TOS. Um, not very often. The kind of thing where the, the alien was a person with shit painted onto their forehead. Literally. Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't. There's a little, That's... the Andorians have little antenna and they're blind um, so and they're cute. all blue with it. white hair. I love it. Um, I want to say the the Vulcans were there and the Tellarites, which are space dwarves. Um, <laughs> that that is all you need to know. They don't show up very often. Anyway, okay. I want to draw myself as an Andorian. Do it. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> trying to think. So time passes and we get to the original series where Kirk and Spock are very gay. Um, and so here's where I want to talk about the show production. The costume designer on TOS was a very gay man. And oh. you can tell if you look up any pictures of costumes that weren't the standard issue uniform. And when there was this, no. I don't remember the setup to it, but Spock and Kirk fight and they have these blades and Spock just like rips a hole through the like front of Kirk's shirt. So his chest is just hanging out. Titties. Yo. But yeah, they're, they're very gay. This is also where the show is. Um, it's very important to actual real life culture of the time, uh, as I'm sure everybody and their mother has heard of like, oh, hey, the first interracial kiss on television um, between Ahura and Kirk. Um, which they almost censored, and I want to say like a bunch of people threatened to quit if they didn't put it on air and they're like, OK, fine. Oh, is that the first one? I didn't even fucking know that. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. Star Trek did that. That's neat. So the actress who played Ahura, who sadly has passed away recently, I want to say last year. Recipes? Um, she was being threatened so bad by, you know, the horrible people of the time mm-hmm. um, that she almost quit the show. And apparently L- Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> told her to stay on because the community needed her. And that's why she's still there. So That's there is crazy. a lot of like real life activism being thrown into the show at every turn mm-hmm. into this entire franchise at every turn. I love that like, so much. Uh, when the creator Gene Roddenberry was making it, they were explicitly gay, explicitly poly relationships, explicitly everything. And the studio is like, you got to choose. You either have a black woman or you have gay relationships. You can't have both. We will get shot. And so uh, in future series, they got way more gay than they already were because now they were allowed to. And you will see that um, as we continue. But yeah, Spock, that. very gay for Kirk. Um, Kirk, there's a, an infamous scene of like Kirk's back was hurting. I don't remember what happened to make it hurt spock was behind him and just another lady and the lady starts rubbing his back and like he he's very clearly enjoying it way too much and when he turns around and finds out it's not spock doing it he sends her away huh? <laughs> yeah. fucking okay. wild it's so good me too though but yes uh tos i don't know too much about the lore of the time, I don't think there's a lot. It's mostly, hey, here's the world we're building a story out of for future shows. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of vibe I get. It's where you learn about the eugenics wars, some of the foundation of the Federation. Um, but yeah, we're going to shoot forward 150 to 200 years to the next generation, where a lot of really important things happen. Um, so. In this era, there is the, the, a new Enterprise ship, which is the Kirk was also an Enterprise ship. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention that one. I don't care about TOS. I'm moving on. <laughs> the, the people I, who listen to this can fight me. Um, 
but th this is the Enterprise D. Don't ask about B and C. It's not important. I've <laughs> heard of them. I don't really know anything about B. I know I, C is like a parallel universe version that somehow came in. And so there's like, well, the C came in from another universe, so we can't name ours C. And so it just went <laughs> to D. <laughs> I, I like I, I watch Red Letter Media. I have vague memories of Rich Evans being really upset about the Enterprise B. But that's all I really remember about that. Yeah, I have no idea. It's probably a TOS thing. I don't care about oh. anyway. <laughs> You'll hear me say that a lot. I don't care about TOS. Mostly because I can't stand looking at Shatner. Um, That's fair. But we do remember Spock. Spock is the most important character in all of Star Trek. But I will barely mention him. <laughs> um, he will come up in like 20 minutes. But yeah. Um, the next generation starts up and the ships get much bigger. They are... Um, more or less town sized now just flying through space and now Neat. it is not only just officers of starfleet which is the military it's a science slash military branch of the federation they're not really supposed to be a military mm -hmm. um but now in the next generation they've been at peace for so long that they're like oh yeah we can just let civilians on our you know flagship um, that we're sending out into who knows where to research the universe. Sounds so it's about a town sized um, starship that has the most firepower of any ship in existence at that time. Asterisk, um, depending on who you ask. But. The on their first flight, they meet this character called Q who is, depending on which interpretation you want, a fifth dimensional being who just kind of pops in and is just like, Patrick Stewart, I love you. I'm going to ruin your life now. So he puts the entirety of humanity on trial for being animalistic pieces of shit. And Patrick Stewart, uh, Picard, whatever, um says like no we're like cool now it's fine we used to be bad we're good now and literally if he doesn't it, it's a court case he puts them in an actual court he's he's wearing this amazing wait i might have the picture of it sounds like some ace attorney shit from what i understand for the audience q is effectively like god he can just yes. like warp <laughs> shit in and just make shit out of nowhere and just teleport places and do whatever he wants. Yeah, I love his outfit. Which one? I'm. I just googled Star Trek Q, and I just got this one where he's absolutely just serving cunt. I'm gonna put it in the chat. It might be the one I'm thinking of. Fun fact about him: the actor uh, was, I think he's like the narrator in the My Little Pony documentary, and he's like constantly <laughs> shitty on My Little Pony. I think that's true. He's like a, he's kind of a weirdo. I love him. He's great. He's allowed to be a weirdo. <laughs> He's allowed to be little a weirdo. He played Q for like seven years. That's true. He's allowed to be a weirdo. That'll get to you, you know. <laughs> rub off on you. So yeah, th this is like the quintessential gay relationship between Picard and anybody is Q just <laughs> loves Picard so much gets put on trial Picard's like we're good now and he's like fine because I love you my new lover um 
you know those TikTok trends where like it's the <laughs> villain and the hero and like the hero works at like a strip club or something? I feel like it's that kind of vibe. Like Picard's the hero and Q's the villain, but the villain's just smitten by the hero. It's sorry, my own TikTok algorithm is leaking onto my podcast. I need a napkin. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't it seen is... anything like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, this is I've my algorithm. I'm 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 just kind of, you know, I, my bad. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so Picard eventually convinces us, like, okay, you're not a bunch of animal savages and you might deserve a chance at becoming like a Q eventually, humanity, but I'm keeping my eye on you. And so he disappears after fucking with the crew a little bit more. Um, speaking of the crew, here is a picture of everybody. Uh, so go. the captain is Picard here in the middle, the bald head. You know who he is. William Riker's uh, to his left there, um, looking like he's on a porta potty. <laughs> um, he is the hot one, and I think only written in because they cast Patrick Stewart as the captain, so the captain can't fuck nearly as much. Because I, I mean, look at him. I do know that the reason that they have Riker is if Picard didn't work out as like a politician, that they would just have Riker step in and just be another Shatner. Bruh. essentially originally picard was supposed to be another shatner yeah but he's fucking patrick stewart <laughs> yeah they originally <laughs> wanted a long-haired flamboyant frenchman that's why he's named picard Yo! and then it's just like oh but patrick stewart's real good <laughs> <laughs> so they completely changed the character and wrote most of what they wrote for the captain towards the first officer william Riker. Because, I mean, look at him. Although, here's That's why you neat. shouldn't watch the first season. He doesn't have his beard. Oh, ew. What? Yeah, it's gross. It's horrible. Weird. And the reason for that is Gene Roddenberry is a weirdo. And he's like, oh, in the too. future, nobody would have beards. Um, Because they're, like, aggressive and humanity is no longer aggressive. It's such a fucking bizarre take. I've heard a lot of weird stuff about Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry is an amazing man who is too horny. He's he's way too horny. Um, and uh, you can see that by the person behind Riker, the first officer, is Deanna Troy. And she just always wears her cleavage out 100 percent of the time. And I have to imagine that's Gene's influence. I mean, um, no, beards, I mean, but your titties are always there. That's always. not aggression. That's love. <laughs> He's a very love is love type of dude. There is infamously a story where Picard goes on vacation to this planet called Ryza, which is essentially a fucking planet. You go there just to have sex. When you get there, you can purchase a little wooden idol called a Horgon. And if you just have it out next to you, it means you want to fuck somebody. He did not know that. Picard was not told that. Riker told him to get him one to try to get him laid. <laughs> I, I, In the writing of that episode, they wanted an entire orgy to be going on in the background. Gene, I say they, Gene wanted an entire orgy to be going on in the background of this planet to where like women were with women men were with men there were like four people all on top of each other and the writer just goes to the showrunner because at this point i think gene is like an executive producer 
goes to the showrunner is just like gene wants me to put in an orgy i can't put in an orgy i can't do it and it's like just make picard get laid it'll satisfy him and it did that's exactly what happened in the episode what? <laughs> what a- picard got to do a woohoo Oh, wait. wait, I need to find a gif real quick. Um, wait, and Q wasn't there? Oh, that's what I'm trying to find, is that Q <laughs> is definitely there. <laughs> Q showed up to watch. Bruh. I'm trying to get an image of it and not just the full YouTube video of <laughs> Picard waking up in bed with Q next to him while he's shirtless. <laughs> He did not. Oh yeah, well, I can only find the video, but here you go. No. Nah. Oh god. Nah. The, yeah, the thumbnail does it. The thumbnail. Nah. The, thumbnail the thumbnail's good. Nah. <laughs> I like the thumbnail because it's like a half second before he realizes who he's looking at, so he's still smiling. They're looking wistfully <laughs> at each other. For some reason, Q decides to wear fucking Federation uniform. It's because he loves Picard so much. He's like, "You love the Federation. Let me wear your your onesie." <laughs> also, the reason they wear pajamas never discussed it's just the thing is it's how they do it it's cool it's probably um, comfy it's the future they get to wear comfy clothes at work yeah there there are a few scenes where you can tell they do not fit properly on some people's groins um all right <laughs> i'm not mad there's there's an amazing video this has nothing to do with what i just said there's an amazing video one of picard's classic moves is whenever he stands up or sits mm-hmm. down he like pulls his shirt down a little bit so it's not wrinkled on him it's a and there's a video <laughs> there's a video of where he does that his little com badge just pops off just, just flies <laughs> off of his shirt <laughs> oops but yes, uh, coming back to the crew again, um, we have goodest boy Data all the way on the right sitting down. He is a, a synthetic person. He's a full uh, he, they're called an android. He has no real body parts. He's I all robot. Um, so much. He, he is very good. He is the autism of this show um, where Spock used to be. Data now stands. Mm hmm. Um, all the way in the far back with the impressive forehead is Worf, who is a Klingon, uh, a race of people who are just warriors. They just want to fight all the time. Um, they famously did not invent their warp travel. They just shot a spaceship that was near their planet down and stole it. Why not? Um, they also famously have killed all of their gods because they were more trouble than they were worth. That's kind of sick. You know what? Actually, I am adopting that. Uh, uh, all of their idolatry is towards real previous warriors. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, <sighs> behind Patrick Stewart is the ship's doctor, also his love interest. Um, so they, they get it freaky, which is weird because. Picard was in command when her previous husband was under him he sent them into a battle and he just fucking dies he gets her husband killed and then goes back to fuck <laughs> what a what? power move what the fuck <laughs> it is amazing and uh to the right of picard is geordie laforge uh our best incel mr um, reading he, rainbow mr reading rainbow he wait oh my god mm-hmm. no way for real yeah that's it yeah 
Holy shit. I forget his name. Right, it's, it, I'm blanking on his name. But yeah, it's him. I only know him as LaForge. I just um, think it's funny that he does reading Rainbow and in Star Trek, he's blind, so he can't read. <laughs> well, he gets eyes eventually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he can kind of see. I, I do not in. In the recording of episodes, because they would go on for so long and he had the visor on, he would just take little naps when he didn't oh. have to say anything <laughs> in a scene. <laughs> Because no one could see his eyes. That's great. Um, but yeah, that is most of the main cast of TNG. Um, we are immediately going from, oh, they meet the Q to the next interaction they have with Q. Um, where he comes in and is just like, hey, I want to be a part of your crew, Picard, because I love you so much. Um, let me be a part of your crew. It would be amazing to have a god, right? And Picard's like, I don't trust you, dude. Like you've done nothing to earn my trust, admiration or anything. You're a horrible person. He's like, well, would a horrible person do this and throws the entire ship on the opposite end of the galaxy? (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't teleport it. It literally gets thrown to the other end of the galaxy. And when they were there, they're like, well, this kind of sucks, but let's get some scientific shit going and let's search around what's over here so we can know um make the best out of any situation oh my goodness it doesn't turn out for the best as they find the villain of the series the borg the borg which it is a it is a species quote unquote of robotically enhanced humanoids and they don't reproduce Per se, they just go to other worlds and are like, oh, hey, you have a quality we like. We're going to kill you and absorb you. Um, so they, they are just out here annihilating worlds. And now they meet the Federation out here in the opposite end of the galaxy that they were never meant to meet. Q was just like, fuck you for calling me mean. Now I'm going to be mean at you. Um, here oh, is. Daddy. The, wait, I have an image of one Jeez. of the Borg ships. Borg. I wonder they if are called cube. Borg cubes. Ah, oh, fuck. Cubes. <laughs> These are big enough to where the town-sized Enterprise can fly through it. Oh. They are enormous. Um, Let me see if I, I didn't get a picture of the scale difference, but it, it literally looks like the Enterprise is a toy next to this cube. I love and what? the Borger immediately are like, hey, give us your shit. You got cool shit. Um, we're we're going to investigate you. And none of their shields work against them. The Borg just come in, download their database and are like, see ya and just teleport out of their ship. And there's like, this isn't good. There's nothing we can do to defeat these fuckers. And so eventually. It ends with Q coming back and being like, hey, if you don't want to die, you just got to say you need me. Just say you need me, Picard. Just say you need me. This is toxic. (laughs) It is very toxic. And Picard eventually gives in and he shoves the ship back to where it was supposed to be. And now they have the knowledge of the Borger coming to Earth. And they have, you know, like a year, two years (laughs) because the Borg ships move incredibly fast for for a federation ship to get where the borg are it would take them about 70 years the borg are coming in two 
what are they on about? Uh, oh my god! They, they're on that transwarp uh, conduit shit. They have this network of pipelines throughout the galaxy that the go much faster than warp. Warp does have a limit. It is. Uh, you can go up to warp nine point nine nine. Yeah, I I know this. They went to warp ten and they turned into lizards. They did. Right. They turned into lizards. Let's and <laughs> so that's jumping that's up to Voyager. And since we're on it, I'm going to talk about it now because this is one of the episodes I say you should definitely skip. I just if you're like watch the, Voyager. I just like the idea. If you go too fast, you turn into lizards. Lizards. Yeah, you start. It's either Kingdom. evolving mm-hmm. too fast or reverting in evolution. I don't remember which one they say. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> for the listeners. You should get in the Discord because you'll get to see the funny haha of the who would win. Who would win? Yep. It's Death Star and the board cube is round versus square. Anyway. Yeah. But I'm not going to make enemies by saying who I think. (laughs) (laughs) So the lizard. So on Voyager, the, the premise of Voyager is they get thrown essentially to the same place that the Enterprise was just thrown at where the Borg are. This is much later in the timeline, though. And they don't have a Q to help them. Q shows up sometimes in Voyager, but mostly to be like, hey, uh, captain of Voyager, would you just take care of my child? And she's like, no, I don't want to take care of your shitty child. You was a child. Good. Yeah, huh? there, okay. there's, a, there's a Q child. OK, that's not supposed to happen. It does happen. <laughs> anyway. <All right. laughs> Like I said, I'm not going to get to everything. It's too much. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is an ugly ass baby. <laughs> <laughs> but. Oh God, where was I? Um, So. You junior. In Voyager, they're trying to figure out ways to get back home quicker. Um, And one of those ways is the pilot of the ship, Tom Paris makes another smaller ship that goes to warp 10 for the first time. And it essentially puts him at every point in the universe at once. Let's go. And then he comes back and he's like knocked unconscious and he slowly is turning into more of a lizard man. And while he's a lizard man, he's like, I need to go warp 10 again. We got to go. And he eventually kidnaps the captain, puts her on the ship, goes warp 10 again they both now are becoming full lizards they hide on a moon and when they're found they're both just like regular ass lizards and they have little eggs and little babies and so they revert the captain and the um pilot back to their normal human self but they just leave the little human lizard babies on that moon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they don't talk about it ever again it never comes up they're gonna come back to go find their parents who left to get milk and cigarettes i tell you what <laughs> that's gonna be picard season four. Oh god don't don't even i don't want that to happen <laughs> father <laughs> my my hot take is they need to leave all of their characters alone make new ones please um but anyway going back to tng they now know the borg 
are coming. So they get ready and flash forward to now the Borg are here because nothing super important really happens between they get ready. They just get ready. Uh oh. Um, the Borg are here now. And the first thing they do is kidnap Picard and turn him into like a half Borg. Yeah. And they, they dub him Locutus of Borg. And he kind of speaks to the Federation for them to be like, hey, I'm that cool dude you like. Come be a Borg. <laughs> not, not even come be a Borg. It's, hey, I'm a Borg now. We're going to kill you all and you're all going to be Borg. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so that is the big trauma of Picard is he was a Borg to where all of your individuality is ripped from you. You are just one of the collective hive mind of Borg drones. He eventually gets better. Um, <laughs> he gets better. <laughs> he gets better. I'm not going to go into all of the details. They just to, they they steal him back. The Enterprise steals him back and fixes him. It's all cool. Um, and he gets like yeah, a Borg but wife. There is. There is a queen Borg in a new Borg house with a Borg little window and a Borg Corvette. Sorry. <laughs> and everything is Borg for him. No, everything I'm sorry. Is Borg. <laughs> there is a Borg queen. She tries to fuck data. Um, oh, she and I'm not data. sure if it's ever confirmed that they do fuck. They, they just, they, they just kind of are together when Picard finds them. But that's, that's a, in a movie that I don't care about. I don't care about the movies. And doesn't data um, get a kid? Yes, he gets multiple. <laughs> okay. Oh my god! I'm not more or less. That's, questions. that's going into the new series, which we yeah, are not yeah. allowed to talk about. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah. It is confirmed. They did. Fuck the corporations! Yay, the strike! Wait, the Borg Queen and Data definitely had sex, according to the uh, first contract director Jonathan Frakes awesome. for the 1996 movie. That, that's Riker. Riker directed that movie. <laughs> Of course, Riker would be like, "Yeah, they definitely yeah, did it. Fun, they definitely bone. <laughs> they got that." But um, before Picard is saved, he is kind of leading the Borg Armada, and just rips and tears through the entire fleet on his way to Earth to you know convert Earth to Borg. Borg. And this is where we will start talking about Deep Space Nine, because that is all the information you need to get Deep Space Nine. OK. Deep Space Nine starts out with um, a commander, Benjamin Sisko, who is our main character, and he is on board one of the fleet ships that are going against the Borg and their ship does not make it. Um, they immediately get hit by the Borg one shot. They're done. And so they're evacuating. He has his family on board because at this time, Starfleet ships just had normal civilians on board. His son is fine. His wife, not so fine. She's fucking dead. He really struggles to accept that. He literally has to be pulled away from her dead body, trying to get her to wake up while crying to get him off the ship to go be the father that his son needs. I... Didn't know I was going to hear about two sad love stories where somebody died in the other's arms today. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was listening to an audiobook earlier today and, and that, that definitely happened and I was very distraught. And so I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> that, that also almost happens to Kirk and Spock. They're on other sides of a pane of glass, so they can't even touch each other. <laughs> anyway, back to Benjamin Sisko. Um, he gets on an escape shuttle and narrowly misses the entire ship exploding. And he's just looking on like, what am I going to do with my life now that I do not have my wife in it? Wife gone. Life sad. A year passes and a lot of things change in the universe. One being Cardassia, um, the home of Cardassians that we've talked about earlier. Their claim on a world called Bajor has come to an end after a successful rebellion by the Bajoran people. And they leave behind a space station called, um, they call it Terok Nor. When the Federation takes over with Bajor, they call it Deep Space Nine. And that's what Deep Space Nine is. It's just a space station. And this is why it makes it very different from other shows in the Star Trek lineup, is it's only on this space station. Neat. I love space stations in fiction. Genuinely, like my favorite kind of setting. You would love it then. It is just a a little town. Um, There's merchants. There's everything you would need to make a town sustainable. Um, But when he gets there, most of it's destroyed. Um, Benjamin is sent to be the Federation kind of ambassador almost, but he's not an ambassador um, to the station. They're kind of just administrating the station while Bajor kind of fixes itself from its rebellion against Cardassia. Cardassia is Nazis. Um, uh, okay. That's that's their allegory. <laughs> they literally were committing genocide um, against the Bajoran people. But Benjamin Sisko gets to the um, the space station, Deep Space Nine, and one of the first things that happens after meeting a couple of his crew is the Bajorans head religious figure asks to meet him. The Bajorans are an amazing people. Very, um, very, very religious. Their entire system of government is basically built around their religion, despite it not intending to be. It just ends up that way. Um, Let me also plop in a photo of the cast. Um, Here in the front middle is Benjamin Sisko. Hmm. Um, amazing father figure. Honestly, I think one of the best written fathers in all of fiction. He gets to do so much. Um, and I will get to the the other cast here. You you can see Worf is here in the background. He's also in this show. Um, but the the head of the religion called a um Kai, um Kai Win specifically. She asked to meet him, and upon meeting him, he gets very weirded out by their religion stuff. He's not super into religion, Benjamin Sisko. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, "What? Why? Why are you here?" And he gets really upset when she's like, "Oh, you're the one we've been waiting for in our prophe- prophecies. You are the emissary. The you were sent here to help our people out of this horrible situation." Um, which their gods are called the prophets, who you will learn are real entities in this world <laughs> um, soon enough. So Benjamin is not super happy um, being idolized immediately upon getting there. He doesn't even really want to be there. He kind of wants to quit Starfleet because he's like, I don't want to lose my son in some attack. 
like I did my wife. My wife. So my at wife. the very beginning, he talks to Picard, which is the only time Picard shows up in the series, um, which is very difficult for him to do because Picard was in control of the Borg when his wife was killed by the Borg. So he's like, with all due respect, I don't really like you. Can you please get the fuck out of here? Makes sense. Please try to convey my resignation to Starfleet. And if you're not going to do that, get the fuck out of here. Um, Card's like, you know what? Fair enough. Cool. See you later. Um, He leaves, but the space station is kind of in tatters. So they almost immediately get kind of poked at by the Cardassians who are still in the area. Just like, hey, you don't have defenses. Let's fuck with you. And he meets an important figure called Gull Dukat, one of the higher ranking uh, military positions in the Cardassian military. And who happened to be the administrator of the space station before they lost it in the Bajoran Revolution. Um, Long story short, they have these objects that are sorry they the bajorans have these objects called um like they're prophets orbs they are supposedly they came from the prophets and when you gaze upon them um they will put you into this kind of sort of trance of your learning about yourself um the first one the first one benjamin makes contact with um it puts him back on the beach where he met his wife Oh, Death Stranding. And Death Stranding. <laughs> Death Stranding. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're good. You're so um, right, though. I don't know this. Uh, oh, wait. Yes, I do. It's correct. I just listened to the episode. It's correct and right, and they should say it. Um, but he gets put there at, at the moment he met his future wife, and he's just like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Let's go live our life. And it immediately takes him back out into the present where he no longer wants to be. And he immediately breaks down again. He's like, God damn it. I don't even like this religion. Why do I got to be hurt by it? Why do I have to be Jesus? (laughs) Literally. Um, But they eventually are starting. They're an immensely important religious item that holds a lot of power, obviously. So the Cardassians want them. And so to find the rest of like, it's another eight or nine um, orbs, um, which they all have unique names. There's like one, the orb of time. Um, the There's the orb of the prophets or no, it's the orb of the emissary, which comes in very much later. And, and a couple others I don't remember off the top of my head, but they're very important. The Cardassians want them. So now it is Cisco's job to find them before the Cardassians do. And what they find out is, oh, hey, they all came from this like one location not too far away from Bajor in space. What if we go there? Maybe we could find some more that are kind of sitting around there, whatever cool stuff. Instead of finding that, they accidentally fulfill a prophecy. Damn of it. They find what is called the Celestial Temple, 
which is I hate where... when that happens. I hate when I <laughs> accidentally <laughs> find the Celestial Temple. Damn it. I hate it. Every time. But it is a wormhole. Um, depending on if you believe the religion or not, it, because they very much give a lot of respect towards religion while also providing people that do not really care about those beliefs. Um, so depending on who in the story is talking, you either get it's the celestial temple or it's the wormhole. And that is where the prophets live slash wormhole aliens, depending on who you ask. Um, they are also fifth dimensional beings, uh, much like Q. And that is why Q only appears once in this entire series. And then he fucks off because there's too much gods, too many gods in one place. But when they find the wormhole, they're like, oh, sweet. Let's go in that thing. Um, They go through and they end up in another side of the galaxy, 70,000 light years away, which would take them 70 years to travel. And they're like, this is awesome. We're going to go back and tell them what we find. And on their way back through the wormhole to report on what they found, the prophets kind of snatch them. And on that, (laughs) they kind of get Benjamin and they're like, hey, we have words for you. And they send the rest back. And in that, they're just kind of talking. It's like, why? Why the fuck are you here? You corporeal piece of shit. We don't (laughs) like you. Your existence threatens us because they are non corporeal. They just bully him for not. They literally just bully him. You don't have enough (laughs) dimensions in your existence. Bruh. Yeah, they're just like, why are you corporeal? You shouldn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> That's what they keep telling me. Um, and one, I'm looking through the transcript of the episode to find. Why are you in survival mode? Turn on creative mode, idiot. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> in the beginning, they're just like, he tells them, he tells the wormhole aliens. Oh, I'm corporeal. I, I have like an actual body. And they're like, that doesn't make sense. That's literally impossible. <laughs> You're fucking stupid. Um, we, we're, we're just going to kill you now. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Hold up. I can explain. Um, one of the biggest things they figure out about the wormhole aliens is one, they have these godlike powers. And two, they don't understand what time is because they're outside of time. Time sure. to them is completely non-linear. Yeah. And that's as one of do. the biggest conversations they have in the first episode is to kind of perceive them. They inhabit your memories. So the a memory will come up in your brain and they inhabit the people that are there. And it really sucks when they inhabit his dead wife. Um, <laughs> and he's just like, I don't really like talking to this one. This one hurts. <laughs> and over the course of their conversation, he keeps getting taken back to um, different points in his life, mainly with his wife of when they first decided to have a kid or they decided to get married. Um, and the one that hurts him is the moment that his wife died. It keeps bringing him back there and he gets really frustrated and really angry about it. And he just asks, why do you keep bringing me here? And it's like, we don't take you anywhere. You bring us here. And it it gets to the point where he figures Mm. out, oh, 
time really isn't linear because I just keep coming back to this one point where I lost her and oh. I never figured out how to exist without her. So I've just never left it's, this it's, one point in time. It's because he won't move on. He's, he's trapped it, in the past, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Whoa. But it's, it's not that it's like, Oh, he's trapped there. It's he traps himself there and you can just choose not to and you do just have to work through that and that time you don't just go past a moment you're in every moment of your life all of the time and after learning that he's like i do have to move on i can't just live my life with this regret this damage and he chooses to stay on deep space nine which is amazing for our story. Not very good for him. He he kind of gets fucked up many times. <laughs> um, Bad choice overall. So quickly moving through three seasons to when the big bad comes into the series. Because for the first couple seasons, it's just him fucking around with Cardassians because they like doing that. Muddling around in some religion. Um, eventually, the figurehead of the religion, who's a really cool person um dies gets left on a planet that always resurrects her to something it's weird but she's no longer with the bajoran people so they hold an election <laughs> to see who's becoming the next kai <laughs> and the person that wins is a fucking asshole literally like this is a political drama for a lot of the first couple seasons uh, where like oh hey this elections happening there's a lot of election fraud there's a lot of oh hey i i didn't kill my opposition they just happened to be dead now yeah um kind of stuff but beginning of season three or the end of season two um a new friend comes through the wormhole from the other side and they are called the dominion and Mm -hmm. One important bit of information to, to show how strong they are is one of the technologies in Star Trek is beaming, um, where you just kind of teleport from one end to another. Mm. Um, an important limitation is that you can't beam through somebody's shields. Because uh, that would just be overpowered or rude or something. I don't know. You just can't show, do it. Jump uninvited. It, it is a physical impossibility in the world until they meet the Dominion who just does it with ease and beats the shit out of everybody on the space station. Hey, um, they look scary too. I just looked them up. Yeah. Um, the Jim Hadar. Let me Jim Hadar. Let me find a picture. So the Jim Hadar you eventually learn aren't even the people running the Dominion, they are just mm. the genetically engineered clone soldiers of the people who run the Dominion, who are called the Founders, um, who are treated essentially like gods. There's a lot of god talk in Deep Space Nine. Okay. Hey, yo. So there's the Jim Hadar, who are the soldiers, and I'm just going to introduce you to one of the other um, species, the Vorta, where... There's a picture in. Why, why is there not a picture on the wiki page for these fuckers? Um, this is a Vorta. His name is Wayun. Um, I've heard that name. 
there's a lot of him running around because he is a clone. Oh, so there's okay. a couple times he he dies at first. One of the first times you meet him <laughs> oh, or they, they meet them and he was a fan favorite character. So they're like, oh, wait, no, they're cloned, too. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why I know the name. It's Jeffrey Combs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's amazing. He eats the roll up. Um, he is the diplomat, um, the sweet talking kind of ass kissing diplomat mm. um, of the Dominion. I, I'm I'm kind of I'm going to jump around again because we, we've missed an important character. There's a character called Odo, who I will drop in. A picture of in just two seconds. This is Odo. He is chief of security aboard Deep Space Nine. Um, sad note, his name literally means nothing. Oh, he is named after the Bajoran word for nothing. <laughs> what he is a like shapeshifter. Oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just, um, where are we going with that? He is a shapeshifter. And as far as anybody knows, the only shapeshifter. Um, until later, where you, they meet another, uh, another few, another however many there are. Um, he was just kind of left abandoned near Bajor and people doing excavations near Bajor were just like, oh, hey, here's this weird thing that turns into rocks sometimes. Um, he eventually huh. learns how to shapeshift into a humanoid. And becomes chief of security. He has this kind of inherent. Um, desire for justice and order. So he immediately becomes a police officer. Um, he's the, the one he is the good cop that everyone talks about. Um, the only one. <laughs> The only one. He is goodest boy. Um, when he smiles, it makes you uncomfortable because he doesn't really have lips. But uh, he also he doesn't know how to smile. He hasn't smiled in ever, ever. And so the first time it happens, it looks like it hurts. Eventually, you learn um, he he has this desire to go through the wormhole. There is something drawing him through it into a specific part on the other side of space from it. And he goes there and he finds his people. He finds more shapeshifters and he's like, finally, I have family. I know what I am. They call themselves changelings. Mm. And it is not happy for very long, Aww. as yeah. most things are in Deep Space Nine. Um. You find out that they are the founders of the Dominion. And they are the ones cloning all of these soldiers and diplomats to go and persecute everybody they don't like, which is anyone who's not a shapeshifter. They call them solids. Anyone who can't shapeshift is a solid. That's very funny. Uh, And they try to recruit Odo. And he's just like, but no, I want to fuck the pretty one. So I don't really (laughs) want to be with your shit. I like this one solid. Um, so there's this horrible sadness around him of he finally finds out what he is, where he's from, and he completely hates all of his family. I've completely skipped a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. Um, some of the most amazing things happen in this story. So I'm going to stop there for the story. If any of that for any listeners 
interest you, please go and watch the series. If you like drama, if you like military drama, if you like political drama, this is the show for you. I would classify this as the best of sci-fi TV shows. I don't want to just say the best of sci-fi because I I really like Hitchhiker's Guide, but this is probably the best sci-fi you're going to get in terms of storylines. I I am a self-proclaimed big fan of sad sci-fi. Oh, you're going to love it. (laughs) You're going to eat this shit up. It's real sad a lot of the time. It is not only sad, Um, but to get the sadness out of the way, there is one character. Let me get a picture. Oh, that's not who I wanted. Google. Google. There's a character called Miles O'Brien. I've heard that name. Yeah, him. Oh, yeah. I. Yeah, I remember. You can tell the story. I've heard this and it's sad. (laughs) He's the whipping boy of this entire series. If there's something they want to just like, oh, we we don't know who we want to be extremely sad this time. It's going to be O'Brien. One of the first issues he has on Deep Space Nine is he brings his wife and child, um, Keiko O'Brien and Molly is his uh, daughter. And his wife does not want to be there. She's a botanist. There's not any gardens aboard uh, Deep Space Nine. She never really gets to leave Deep Space Nine. And so there's immediately struggle within the marriage and the word gets around and he really fucking hates that. He gets really mad at anyone who mentions like, are you doing okay with uh, Keiko? And he's just like, why? What have you heard, motherfucker? I'll kill you (laughs) if you don't shut your damn face. He is an extremely aggressive Irishman. Um, He also comes from a lineage of union men, which is an amazing detail. (laughs) He he talks about... um, I want to say it's Samuel O'Brien from the 1902 Coal Miners Union. Pop um, he, he also immediately says he gets killed right before the strike ended from his union. Oh, well. <laughs> He's like, yeah, they found his body in the river with like 34 bullets in him. Or was it 37? <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's in an episode where somebody else starts a union. Talking about unions, we're going to jump. He's Miles O'Brien's the whipping boy. He goes through a lot of trauma. It's really sad. There is another species aboard Deep Space Nine called the Ferengi. And they're real funny looking. I'll say it. I love funny looking. I am trying. You can't just look up this person's name because his name is Quark. So you get physics. (laughs) Um, But this is Quark. He is a Ferengi. They have these really big ears, I think, in lore so that they can hear the deals that they can make because they are <laughs> capitalists. Uh, my God. Um, their ears, for audio listeners who don't know what a Ferengi looks like, the top of their ear goes into their brow line. And they don't have an eyebrow like hair. It's just the brow line that is also their ear. Yeah. It, it, it's... That is feel- also where they get the most sexual pleasure. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. If you yo. if you want to get a good deal out of a Ferengi, you just start caressing their ears, and it's like they're gonna come immediately. Bruh. <laughs> Bizarre choices here. They call it umox. I hate that. that makes it worse. <laughs> and my- also, uh. if you squeeze them, it is incredibly painful. <laughs> you know, so that it's 
It's their genitals. It is, it is. It's their genitals. <laughs> my clitoris is on my ears, babe. Your ear, no ears. <laughs> Both. <laughs> all of it. That's why it's connected in the middle. Yeah, it's oh all just the gosh. one. I This podcast, I don't even know what we're rated, but I gotta <laughs> stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that Ferengi's gonna fuck up our ratings. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna get taken to moonshot jail. <laughs> I'm sorry to take the podcast off the air. <laughs> Which moonshot jail is fittingly a space station. Andrew Sherman sends me an email. You're in podcast horny jail, and this is an email I never thought I'd have to write. <laughs> Three little words didn't even get to horny jail before I did. Jesus Christ. So, anyway, the Ferengi. The Ferengi. <laughs> they are a species of hypercapitalists um, in this world of the Federation being hyper communist. Essentially, there is no currency. Um, everybody just gets whatever they need. Um, asterisk. Some accommodate. They go. In, there's multiple episodes where they go into like, hey, they still don't treat disabled people that well. And it it progresses that kind of like oh hey we're actually going to start changing the federation for these people because like it's brought up now mm. and so everything that gets brought up as like a bad thing usually gets some kind of resolution society-wide implemented if not at least within deep space nine's area of influence which is a lot eventually because they're the front line of a war but Ayo. um but the Ferengi are the nastiest of people. They are uh, super misogynist, as you might expect from a capitalist society. Yeah. Um, women aren't even allowed to wear clothes. What? It is illegal for women to wear clothes, which leads to an amazing scene where Quark goes home to his mother, who's the most progressive woman in history. And she's just in clothes, and he's like, Mother, take your clothes off this instant. <laughs> Gee, you know, that was for somebody. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure the, he's writer, saying that line. <laughs> some writer needed to write that out. They had something they were dealing with. <laughs> needed to, to get, get it on the page. They cleared their search history immediately after this aired. Oh my God. But um, surprisingly, the Ferengi have some of the most progressive representation um, out of any of the species. Huh? Um, I mean, obviously, they're, they're Rom, or Rom, uh, Rom is Quark's brother. Quark's mm. mother literally changes in the entirety of Ferengi civilization by starting to fuck the leader and whispering liberal propaganda in his ear. Hey, yo. <laughs> what an oh, icon! Oh. Right? Um, and eventually, when the leader becomes too old, she convinces him to give the position to her son, Rom, who is the most progressive male Ferengi shown on screen. And in the scene, there's like, oh, yeah, they're going to give it to Quark because he's such a good Ferengi. And they're like, here you go, Rom. And Quark's just like, I want to fucking kill myself. I hate this. Because <laughs> <laughs> Quark is the backwards thinking, but wanting to be good kind mm -hmm. of person he gets a lot of character growth never to the point of being a good person sure but he gets to the point eventually to where he wants to do good by people 
Um, but yeah, the Ferengis get um, some trans representation because one of the ways that you can tell the sex of a Ferengi is the size of their ears. Uh-huh. If they're smaller, they're women. And so one of them just gets prosthetic ears and just goes around as a dude because they want more rights. Um, but they just kind of keep doing it after they're find out, found out. They're just like, yeah, it fits. It's, I, I like it. Um, Pop off. The, the other restrictions on women in Ferengi society, as you could probably guess from them not even being able to wear clothes, they can't earn money, just period, um, which is one of the changes that the liberal propaganda makes. And she's just like, hey, half of the workforce can't even interact with the economy. We like the con- the economy, so why can't we do it? And he's like, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> just changes right. all of the laws. It does. Um, she's not wrong. It, it is amazing just how easy it seems to be. He's kind of senile, the ruler. Um, th- it happens many times where he's just like, where am I? <laughs> Um, much like our, our, you know, some real life parallels we could draw. Um, <laughs> yeah. Somebody take one for the team. Uh, <laughs> you, whoever it is better have crazy good eyebrows and ears. <laughs> for real. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ferengi um, have a lot of the progressiveness. Um, of the series just because of how backwards their society is. But um, other representation is in one of the main characters called Jadzia Dax, who is t- the trans representation in the main cast. I don't know how it depends on how you like the representation. It is she's a symbiotic life form. There's a slug in her hey, that used to be in other people. And carries the memories and experiences of the other people it used to be in. And it used to be a dude. And now that symbiote is in a woman. Um, some of the representation's not great. It's the 90s. Um, one of the things I don't like is that the, the symbiote the slug, the previous person it was in, had a relationship with the main character, Benjamin Sisko. And he just keeps calling the new host old man, even oh, though weird. it's a very young woman. Weird. And it's like, it's very clear that they're okay with it. It's it's cool between them, but it's still really weird. I don't like it. <laughs> Bizarre yeah. choice. I do like the literally have worms in my brain. Literally. <laughs> just like me for um, real. Let me find a... Also, Jadzia is um, literally the the actress is a model. Oh, wow. I looked it up in the first image that comes up is her in her swimsuit on the one episode um, where she. There we go. She's uh, her species is called a trill. Um, They have these little dots going down. um, And in one of the earlier episodes, somebody's like, how far down do the spots go? She's like, wouldn't you like to fucking know? <laughs> and eventually we, we get the answer when they go swimming. Um, uh, uh, they go all the way down. All the way, baby. <laughs> all the way. Oh, God. Um, so yeah, in this picture, you see Worf as well. They are kind of, they're a thing. They eventually get married. 
It is oh. amazing. She eventually dies. Oh, it's oh. very sad. Um, but this episode specifically, where they go to this like cool planet where they just kind of go on vacation, Worf really doesn't like that Jadzi is getting attention from other men. And so he just goes off and becomes an incel with some other incels <laughs> no, that are on the planet. No, Worf, don't do <laughs> it's, it. it's real bad. He's Worf just like, gets, he's like, nobody can look at my woman. And it's just like, Worf, calm the fuck down. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. I'll calm down. <laughs> I didn't realize Worf would get fucking pipelined. God damn. Worf, oh, no. well, it's, he's, you know, a warrior. He's He's got to, you know, protect uh his his woman from other peering eyes it's it's not great he learns better he gets better he doesn't have much else going on to be fair he's had a lot of love interests <laughs> i mean like he's a child he's very, that he doesn't can't take care of he's very job focused he is he wants to prove himself that that's his main thing he's kind of disgraced from klingon society so he's like can i like prove myself please in starfleet <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me to please there's literally a, one of the times Q comes on to the Enterprise while Worf is there Klingons have this thing of growling Yo. and this is the one time he doesn't immediately growl at Q and Q's just like what you're not going to growl for me I thought we were friends <laughs> what does he mean by that Q, Q, Q's <sighs> an amazing little dude um <laughs> You know what? I'm going to. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, in fact, I'm not. I am going to share one of the later interactions in Deep Space Nine. I want to see it season six um, to show some of the political drama that happens. So at this point in Deep Space Nine, the Dominion War, as it is known, has been going on for years and is in no way going well for the Federation. At this point, the Federation has a couple allies in this war, um, mainly the Klingon Empire, because the Dominion wants to come in, basically take over as an authoritarian regime. And neither the Klingons nor the Federations really like authoritarians uh, taking over their shit. The Klingons would rather be the authoritarians and the Federation is just against authoritarianism, usually. Hmm? Um, usually. Anyway. <laughs> So they're like, we're kind of losing this war. We need another big power to come help us. And so they look towards a species known as the Romulans, who are another kind of war. They're not warrior race. They're just highly militarized and they're very kind of keep to themselves. So far through this war, they have signed like a non-aggression treaty with the Dominion. And so they're like, how are we supposed to get them to back out of that treaty? God, I've I've completely missed so much of what I wanted to talk about because my brain is everywhere right now. No, that's fine. There, Go for there it. is a gay Cardassian tailor, former okay. secret police of okay. the Cardassian Obsidian Order, which is an amazing secret police name. Jesus Christ, um, there's a lot of words you just dropped out. <laughs> Yeah, so the Cardassians had a secret police force, essentially the Obsidian Order. One of those members used to be a Cardassian named Garrick. He 
did some things the Order didn't like and got banished from Cardassia. And so he just now kind of lives on Deep Um, Everyone kind of knows he was in the secret police, but he'll never admit it. He's just Mm. like, no, I'm just a tailor. I just own the tailor here. Um, I also like gardening. I used to be a gardener. I'm literally just a guy. I'm just a little dude. Hit me with your who, car. Who happens <laughs> to know way too much information sometimes. Um, but where was I going with this? So everybody knows he used to be in the secret police. So Cisco kind of goes to him. It's just like, hey, I have a need to bring the Romulans into the war. How do you think we could do that? He's like, well, we could forge a recording of the Dominion saying that they are going to go back on their non-aggression treaty and invade Romulan space. I'm like, that's good. Do you know anyone who could do that? He's like, well, yes, they're currently in prison. So you might need to get them out of prison, but we can definitely try. And so there's a couple issues with trying to make a forgery. It isn't just a file they have to fabricate. The system in which the file is stored also has to be fabricated. Um, It's essentially if you don't know how like, oh, their computer system works, you also now have to fabricate how their computer system works. That's what they have to do. And through a bunch of bullshit, they get the. criminal out they start making this fake recording and they're like cool we've made it i'm gonna call this romulan senator who's about to go meet with the dominion and be like hey we have some information you might like he's like all right i'll come and see what you have and so they play him this recording he's like this is a fake you're trying to fucking punk us i'm gonna go to my meeting with the Dominion and be like, we're on their side now. We're going to start a war with you. Bruh. And Cisco's just like, damn, I uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. And so he just kind of waits oh. around for that to kind of happen, for everything to fall apart beneath him. Instead of what happens, instead of that happening, it is found the next day that that senator's ship exploded. <laughs> On its way from the meeting with the Dominion. Uh Uh-oh, oopsie. And Cisco is immediately like, God damn it, Garrick, did you kill a fucking senator? And he rushes down to his um, shop and smacks the shit out of him so hard, he flies to the other end of a table onto the floor. Get his ass. a mess. Um... Let, let me try to find some of the lines. Um, I have the transcript right here. Um, so he, he smacks him, sending him flying to the ground. And Cisco says, get up. You killed him. Garrick replied, that's right. That's what you want to do all along, isn't it? You knew the data rod would not hold up to scrutiny. You just wanted here, him to get here to the station to kill him with a bomb on his shuttle. And Garrick is like... It's not quite that simple. I did have hopes that somehow the forgery would pass, but I suspected that it wouldn't. Um, th- think of this uh, senator as a tragedy of war, a victim of war. 
And Cisco just goes to punch him again. And Gary's like, if you can allow yourself to calm down, you will see that they did not die in vain. The Romulans will enter the war on our side. And Cisco, how the fuck do you know that? He's just like, well, once the Romulans go and collect the debris of the ship of the shuttle that this dude was on, they're going to find that somehow this data rod has miraculously survived the explosion. And on this data rod is that um, fake meeting we've um, made of the Dominion saying they're going to invade. So it's like, but they're going to know it's a fake. It's like, no, I don't think they will, because any imperfection in the forgery is going to be written off as damage from the explosion. Mm. Yo. And eventually Garrick is just like, what would you do if you had a dead senator in one hand and a seemingly legitimate data rod in the other? Um, you're going to conclude that the that the Romulan senator found it and was taking it back to Romulus before getting killed for having that information. And so the Romulans are definitely not going to like that they just got their senator killed by what is supposed to be an ally. And it works out like that. The Romulans enter the war almost immediately. Um, They completely go in to be full allies with the Federation and Klingons, and they throw a big party of welcome to the war. Um, And Cisco ends the episode saying, so I lied. I cheated. I bribed men to cover the crimes of other men. I'm an accessory to murder. But the most damning thing of all, I think that I can live with it. And if I had to do it all over again, I would. Aww. Garrick was right about one thing. A guilty conscience is a small price to pay for the safety of the Alpha Quadrant. So I will learn to live with it. Because I can live with it. And then he deletes that recording. Aww. And it is one of the most powerful scenes in all of Deep Space Nine, especially because of how the actor for Cisco he chews on his dialogue. They give him so much dialogue later on when they learn he's just really good at it. Yeah. Especially when he's angry. I like Cisco when he's angry. Um, he's really good at yelling. Um yeah, eventually, spoilers. Don't listen for 10 seconds if you don't want spoilers. Eventually they win the war. All's cool. Um, But throughout all of this, there is this backdrop still of the religion aspect of Cisco is the emissary of the Bajoran people. We've kind of glossed over it. You'll learn later on that every single thing was kind of planned by the prophets to happen the way that it did. Mm hmm. And a lot of people don't like that. You can take it or leave it. It's only kind of talked about in the last episode. So you can take or leave the last episode uh, if you want. This is the one spoiler I don't care about saying, because if you're not if you don't like that kind of ending, don't watch the show. It's how it ends. Um, If you're cool with that kind of ending, go with it. It's awesome. So before I end, I want to pick up one more episode that doesn't have anything to do with the greater story. Um. There is an episode that 
takes place in 1950s um, real life America. And it takes the entire cast of Deep Space Nine, puts them in there as normal humans that are working at a sci-fi publication. Yo. And oh. um the captain is who is now um Benjamin. He's just known as Benjamin. I don't know if they gave him a last name. He ends up writing the pilot to Deep Space Nine and trying to get it published. But this is 1950s America and he is a black man. Yeah. So despite everyone who reads it saying it is some of the most amazing story writing they've ever read. They say you can only get it published if you change the name that you go by because everyone's going to know you're a black man. He's like, no, I'm never, I'm never going to do that. And so not only does it not get published, he gets fired. And it is this incredibly emotional scene of him finally breaking down at all of his, um, built up anger of being treated as less than human. He, as he's like going down to the floor, he's like, I am a person, damn it. And it is, it is just a, such a good episode. If you watch any episode, watch that one. Oh, dead. Yo, <laughs> that's all I have to say. I have feelings. Anyone who says Star Trek isn't political, you're completely wrong. Absolutely, it is the most preachy piece of media you will ever <laughs> encounter. It preaches to you to be a damn good person, and we might eventually live like Star Trek. Star Trek's so good. Star Trek is amazing. It is. There's a reason it's some of the most important sci-fi ever written. Not only within the influence of more sci-fi being written, but in the influence of the world. Mm. Also, I'm, tidbit: Gene Roddenberry has a son called Rod Roddenberry. That's anyway, a back to what you were going to say. <laughs> that's a good fucking name. Uh, I, just, I remember that in that same vein, hearing about. I don't know if it was the original series or next gen, but an episode with like real ass Abraham Lincoln. And that's next gen <laughs> next gen I, I i don't know the specifics but he was talking to one of the black characters like black people on the fucking ship and he was like yeah in my time we're still we're trying to fight for people like you uh like the yep. civil war and shit and star trek as a society has gone so far that none of the people on the ship even know what the fuck he's talking about like they don't yeah. even recognize the fact that anyone is different or there would be a reason to have to fight for people. You know yeah. I mean? Star Trek, they they've in multiple places like shown that people, if they know about pre um, first contact with aliens history, they have gone out of their way to learn it. Like mm -hmm. nobody like just gets taught it in more than a cursory glance kind of thing, because they have so much more to learn about, you know, the founding of the Federation and things like that yeah. in universe. But there's the, the episode of Deep Space Nine that takes place in 2024. Um, it started to feel a lot like our actual um, kind of timeline. It's not as tragic yet, but in that. It is like it's basically capitalism has fallen to its most base kind of idea of, oh, 
the rich class is has a good life and everyone else uh, mm-hmm. just kind of dies. Um, to where there are portions of cities gated off to where people who can't find a job just get shoved in there and forgotten about. Yeah. They, they're called sanctuary districts. Oof. That's very and capitalist to call it that. It, it is real bad. And you, you like you get to see the like upper classes. They're just like, you know, having their, you know, nice little balls and meetups and their wine tastings. And one of the characters is like, hey, these people are kind of like suffering and they inadvertently start a campaign to end sanctuary districts. Um, It, it is just like, oh, damn, Star Trek, please don't um, <laughs> predict that part. That part <laughs> sucks. <laughs> I don't want that to be next year. Um, yeah. The uh, the same vein of the one I was, it's still next gen. There's something about an episode with just like a modern rich asshole guy being like fucking time traveled to the the enterprise and he's like how much is something about like how much does it cost to live on this something and picard has to explain to him we don't use money we just get things we need because if you need something you deserve to have it you know what i mean yep there's a scene where one of the a bunch of people from the 21st century get on the enterprise i think it's the same episode you're talking about Mm -hmm. where one of them is like Oh, hey, if we're like hundreds of years in the future, my bank account must have a lot of yeah, interest. Yeah, it's the same guy. It's the same guy. <laughs> and he's just like, damn, you took all my money. And it's like, you don't need money. It's fine. What do you, mean? <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Why do you want money? Uh, money I think money. Um, they eventually learn to like accept what's happening as actual truth because they just completely don't believe that there is a way to live without money yeah um which you know there, there might be some real people that think that too um uh-huh. <laughs> but i guarantee it um i know too many of them and it makes me mad um but but yeah it, it is that like that glimpse into a, a hopeful future which is neat and it, you don't get a lot of the time in sci-fi stuff star trek has so the most genuine optimism of any sci-fi yeah. You know, it's, it's just like we can get there. Um, if I may, I'm so sorry. You could pop off. Um, this reminds me of a conversation I was having with my kid uh, a couple days ago, where they were asking, um, if adults like get excited about like does magic look the same for adults as it does for kids, which is very insightful for a nine year old. Damn. Um, and like you know, it's like with magic for kids is usually like rainbows coming out of a wizard staff, you know, like very just lighthearted and stuff. And, uh, it was just kind of weird to explain that like magic for adults is usually violent and has something to do with war. So, um, I don't know, hopefully that'll change, but (laughs) yeah, Yeah. it's, it's real sad. So it's kind of neat to think about that, like pulling the lens back of how do we perceive uh fiction from childhood to adulthood you know and i'm glad to see that star trek kind of hangs on to that hopefulness instead of just letting it be something just very upsetting and stressful you know yeah 
and Deep Space Nine probably gets the most unoptimistic just because, oh, it's about war. Yeah. Um, but every time there's like a low point, they show the way out of it. And a lot of it, I don't know what the writers were on, but they make it so genuinely believable that it, things would work this way a lot of the yeah. time. It's not just like, oh, a solution plops into their lap. It's like, no, there is a lot of stuff that has to go into fixing some of these problems, but it's worth doing and you can do it. And yeah. that that is what I like about Deep Space Nine, as opposed to a lot of other war sci-fi to where everything's just kind of like the best case scenario still sucks. Yeah. Like I haven't seen Battlestar Galactica, but it sounds like it's kind of like that um, to where mm. like everything kind of sucks in the best case scenario. And it's like, that's the other like, Oh, Hey, everyone loves this one. It's amazing. Sci-fi. I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, it's written by the same dudes as deep space nine. So I'll probably like it, but <laughs> my dad um, watched a lot of that. I yeah. saw, but I can't tell you what happened in that show other than there was a gate. Yeah. Unless this is the wrong show. <laughs> Might be Stargate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, th- th- we could cut this out, but I was how much actual politic can I talk? I'm, I'm pretty radical. You can get as rad as you want. Radical. Yeah. Okay. Star Trek has a weirdly big conservative fan base, and I don't get it. Yo, all all sci-fi does for they're all just so stupid all the time. It's the same kind of thing that like Warhammer has a huge conservative fan base because they see it as that's the good outcome when it's all just ridiculous and meant to be so dumb it's a joke. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, that happens I just, with a lot of sci-fi stuff. It's so weird. Yeah, it it's just particularly weird to me for Star Trek because yeah. every episode is telling them that their view sucks. So I and don't that, know why they like it. Everything at all. would be really nice if you didn't, if you and other people didn't think like that. Yeah. If you were, you know, slightly better of a person, things would mm-hmm. be cool. And I and but they still watch it. They watch it so much. And I, I they're just like, oh, yeah, no, it's not. It's not political. Yes, it is. Which there, what? there, there could always be like, I, I want to see like a study if it has to do with like the genre as a whole and like how it started being like an old TV show. And if there's certain demographics that would be drawn to that more as like an old sci fi show. But I don't know. It's 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 a weird thing that I see happen all the time. When mm. like aspirational uh cool future sci-fi or or even just like things that are blatantly making fun of them, conservative people love it. Yeah, it's zero, like, zero media but, literacy. Yeah, I was about to say there has been studies of just like asking people what they think the message of shows were and more conservatives just have no idea what the show's about. <laughs> like the shows that they like or other media. You know, that reminds me of a, another thing in a very similar vein where like there's. I don't remember if it was a quote or what, but. Uh, you could show you could, you know, somebody could be like 
treating any sort of minority group very poorly, you know, for whether it's like very violent or just like high school bullying, but you show them a movie where it's like an anti-bullying message and they're not putting like two and two together that that's exactly what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and it's really wild because as I've mentioned before, I work in finance and uh, it is just very insane to hear what these people like think is correct, especially when it comes to like uh, like the LGBTQ community. And like even just little things like, well, not little things, but like pronouns and stuff. It's like, dude, yeah, dude, <laughs> it, it, it genuinely, I think, I mean, we've mentioned media literacy. It comes down to education, really. Yeah, because it's it's just the media literacy and the real literacy of not knowing how words work and not knowing how the world works and not understanding how people work. I think it all just comes back to that. Yeah. Where they don't with especially stuff like Star Trek, they don't re, like people sub, just don't realize what is being even discussed. They're like funny funny science show when writing is <laughs> writing. Funny space. Funny space uh wharf punched or got punched. <laughs> Usually got punched. Usually got punched, yeah. I do not he doesn't actually do a lot of that. No, he's the he's the big strong guy. So then another bigger, stronger guy can come and, and show how big and strong and scary they are. But it ends yeah. up being Worf gets beat up all the time. <laughs> yeah. And I'm even though like dad. Data is an actual android, so is just by design much stronger than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but he never uses it. Data is made of metal, kind of. That's pretty metal. He's made of metal paint. He is? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh my uh, but yeah, I guess um, I don't have too much more to say, mostly because of how fractured I've talked about it so far. You're allowed. Um, I've learned so much today. <laughs> I'm very glad that all of my ranting has learned something. I do have a question. Mm-hmm. How, if someone was to listen to this episode... And they're like, I want to get into Star Trek, like as a as a franchise. How would you suggest they would engage with it? At least to start a bunch of different answers. Um, you don't have to start with TOS or TNG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't listen to anybody who says that um, because Star Trek has so many different styles. Um, if you like more episodic, less connected storylines that maybe even are much more goofy. Um, you will like TOS if you can deal with how old it is. Um, and some of the actors that are on there, Shatner, um, you will love TNG after season one. Cause that's when it gets good. Um, and Voyager is kind of there. It has more of a structure to it, but still has those one-off episodes where they turn into lizards. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. And I would suggest other ones, but they are struck work. So can't can't talk about them. Don't watch them until the strike's over. <laughs> but um, I don't even want to mention their names. So I have um, one comment about struck work just so I could get it yeah. off my fucking chest. It. it pissed me off. Um, like I said, I was I, I, I mean, I talked about Mass Effect on the show. Big fan of Mass Effect as a whole. I obviously got inspired a lot by by Star Trek in general. 
which is cool. It's cool to see the groundworks and everything. But season one of Picard, for some reason, the main plot is straight up just a ripoff of Mass Effect 3's plot. It is the it same is. thing copy pasted. It's bizarre. Especially it is its that it was season. Yeah, it's the weakest game. It's the one that everyone hated. Yeah. Which they chose to copy. But fuck that show. I, I don't see Picard is the one that I didn't know if I could talk about because it's over. Oh, it was, was it, over it before the start. Yeah, it was only three seasons. Oh, I thought they were. Oh, OK. Fuck season People one. People say they want a fourth season. I tell them, please shut up. <laughs> um, no, you don't. <laughs> it was just such a strange thing to see something releasing modernly as like like Star Trek that just blatantly ripped that off but i yeah. had to get it off my chest yeah season one's not very good it's my least favorite season season two is okay season three i love it because i love tng and it's just nostalgia it's just all the way <laughs> it is nostalgia pandering one of the um kind of classic scenes um in tng is the main crew playing poker together and that's yeah. how season three ends of them at a poker table and it's like, you motherfuckers, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that Riker makes pizzas and are, they are canonically bad. Wait, I don't think they say it in the show that his pizzas are bad. There's a prequel book that says that they are bad. <laughs> That's one thing I haven't talked about. There's a lot of books. Um, if you like reading more, um, there is a book. So it's a Strange New Worlds book. I want to say The Lost Country. It is amazing. Please read that if you like books um, or listen to it on Audible. Um, Today's sponsor, Audible. No. <laughs> they God, give me money on that. that. That'd be just two hours of build up <laughs> to the Audible sponsor. <laughs> You know, um, honestly, if Graphic Audio would would sponsor me, I would sponsor the fuck out of Graphic Audio. Oh my yeah. goodness, are you too? Yeah. I know. Yeah, I love Graphic so much. I have not looked into them. I know you talk about them a lot. So. I highly recommend. It. I mean, it's 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 definitely a lot more expensive than um, Audible, but it's so worth. Oh, it. Yeah. I don't know if there's any Star Trek on Graphic Audio. I, I know. Let's have to look into. Out. I got distracted because I wanted to see if I could find like a shot for shot, like start Star Trek Picard season one and Mass Effect. I didn't know it went as deep as they they took the sounds that the Reapers made and they they have ships that look just straight up like the Normandy. Like it, it, it's yeah. like everything. I didn't know it was that. But oh, my God. It's it's real bad. <laughs> wow. What is this? A crossover episode? <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, so getting back to how to start in Star Trek, um, like I said, the episodic kind of goofier stuff is the next generation TOS. If you like serialized, obviously, I've spent most of the time talking about it. Deep Space Nine. Um, Voyager has some of that serialization to it. It is, I think, a weaker story, but that's mostly due to they kept flip flopping with some writers and some of the crew. It, it had a messy production. Um, I'm trying. I, I don't know. I think the the '90s era is where you should kind of look to start if you 
don't want to um, start with older series, then that's getting into struck work. We can't really talk about. I want to say Discovery has wrapped and might not be considered struck work. Discovery is the new start of this current generation of Star Trek shows. So you could watch that. I'm not a fan, but you could. I want to say it's more serialized. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's just so much Trek. You don't have to watch TNG, TOS in order. Um, if you don't want to be confused, I would suggest starting season two of TNG at the very least watching the season finale and season starts of each season in order. That is the most serialized it gets. Um, other than that, yeah, it gets in a struck work. I like some of the new stuff. I, I can't recommend it to you. Don't don't do it. Don't do don't what don't do it. <laughs> don't fucking do it. Don't do it. I, I don't yeah. think that you can watch it. I just can't talk about it. But nope. I'm trying to think of anything. Any other questions in general? <laughs> Throw them all at me. I will talk about this forever. Um. Let's see. I have a very cliche question. Mm-hmm. Who's your? Well, I, it's a two-parter. One, who is your all-time favorite out of all of the Star Trek? And who is your all-time least favorite out of all of the Star Trek? I'm talking the shows or a character? Character. Ugh, don't make me choose between my children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get asked this question so much, and it's just like, oh, everyone from Deep Space Nine is my favorite. They're all my children. They're all my favorite. Um, I, all, I love them all so much. I flip-flop so much about favorites from Deep Space Nine. My current favorite is a character I didn't actually end up mentioning, um, but has an amazing story, is Quark's nephew, um, Rom. Wait, no, it's it's Nog. My brain is scrambled. I'm going to get yelled at for that. <laughs> anyway, oh, <no. laughs> his name is Nog, and his story is... He's this rambunctious little Ferengi boy aboard Deep Space Nine who doesn't really like the teachings of Ferengi to be like, oh, this hyper capitalistic, um, you can only want money type of living. And he's like, no, I want to like do good things with my life. I want to help people. And he enlists in Starfleet and is the first Ferengi in Starfleet. And he eventually ends up fighting in the Dominion War. And during an episode that I don't remember the name, but it's the siege of planet they're on, um, he gets one of his legs blown off. And the next like two episodes are him dealing with his PTSD from that, or rather his lack of dealing with his PTSD from that. (laughs) He like one of the inventions that is very cliche about Star Trek is a, a holodeck. To where you go in and it just makes this environment around you and it's incredibly convincing. Um, he just loses himself in it. Um, for he will just live in the holodeck for a while to not have to face reality. And it is so heart-wrenching that the this little boy you watched grow up through the series is going through all of this. And he is an amazing character. Um, least favorite. 
God, that's even hard. They're all pretty good characters. I don't like Kirk. Kirk's kind of just an asshole. <laughs> They're like completely separate from being Shatner. Mm-hmm. Kirk just does some fucked up shit. Not that Cisco doesn't. People on the internet, shut up. I know he's a war criminal, but <laughs> Kirk is mean. <laughs> I don't like Kirk. Um, even though he is gay for Spock, that is a plus. It's not enough of a plus. It won't save you. Not this time. Not this time. Um. Any other questions while I think of anything else to say, if I have anything? Uh, uh, hmm. Just really, I never showed a picture of what Deep Space Nine looks like. It is this kind of like three-pronged, um, circular... And I don't even know how ah. to describe it, really. I it fucking love space stations. It w- that would hold an orb so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like so like the, these prongs coming up are where the bigger ships dock, like the Enterprise, which is already city level big. Yeah. So this thing is huge. This tri-state area. <laughs> For yeah. real? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh my goodness. But yeah, I don't think I have much more that won't take many, many more. Uh, hours to discuss in full detail. Well, that just means you'll have to come back. Exactly. This was planned from the start. I just didn't have as much time to prepare as I thought I did. <laughs> so. You're good. No, we were, we mean, were excited to have you. Yeah. I was excited I, to be on. Now I want to watch Star Trek shit. Star Trek. Uh, Literally, I, I will start uh, 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 watch along. We should. That would be cool to do. Just like um, somebody, uh, w- like us get together as, as like a community, and somebody put on like the first episode of Deep Space Nine or something. Because it is like it's like a movie. The first episode because they have you a know, lot to go over. We do have a voice channel here in the Discord. We do. Yeah, we, we got one the of those. If you're not in the Boobie Discord, night. you join the Discord. Join yeah. the Discord. It's cool. The Discord is also where you can yell at us about Star Trek and the Star Trek. Not me. Don't yell at me. You can yell at me. me. (laughs) This is kind of the rule. If you're here to yell at anyone about anything, you yell at me. Yeah, here. I I, I take it back. Yell at me so I can yell back and it'll be cool. It'll be a nice shouting match. If you yell at me, I'll (laughs) ban you. It is really (laughs) nutty when I'm at work and then the Discord's popping off and I've got like... 60 to 70 notifications and I'm like, what are y'all doing in there? <laughs> talking about video games. <laughs> y'all are talking about fun. bread? Bread! <laughs> when, when, when I'm like in bread. here and I just see your little thing pop up for a quarter second. <laughs> <laughs> bread. Uh, I, I think, are we, are we good? Are we, I think we're I think good. We're, I think we're good. Yeah. How, do we, how do we end this? Um, well, let's see. Uh, first off, Ashley, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky, Mrs. Ashley. Gay. Um, yes. You could also you just go to that yeah. as a website. I um, love You can also it. just do Miss Ashley. Gay um, as a website. I have a lot of .gay domains. <laughs> I'm glad that exists. I didn't know that was an option. 
Yeah, on my website, you can see um, stuff I'm working on. I'm going to be working on a VR podcast. Um, It's not a podcast strictly about VR. I'm just doing it inside of virtual reality. Um, I'm also writing my own sci-fi thing. It's also on the website. Chapter one, hopefully. I don't know when this episode is going to go out, but chapter two and three might be coming soon. Sometime in September. Um, Sometime. That gives me time. That's good. (laughs) um but yeah did go on the website to find out what all i'm doing there are links to my twitch and the blue sky um so yeah you can find me there blue sky take blue me sky. home to the place where i can ski huh i forget they're called skis <laughs> huh <laughs> Yeah, they're not tweets, they're skis. We we are getting corny jail. I don't think that's appropriate. (laughs) It's not official. Kingdom? Uh, Can we still uh, find you on the internet? Not really. I mean, you can find me on the Discord, like I mentioned, join the Discord. I abandoned Twitter when it got too annoying to continue doing it. Um... Other than that, I'm working on a thing actively that should be released around mid-October, but we'll see. October. October. The plan is to have it out by my birthday, which is the 18th, but I don't, who knows with me, right? Happy birthday. That's not for a while, but I think, thank you. Happy birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday. Happy birthday. It's like, it's like two months away, but I appreciate it. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. Anyway, oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Oh my goodness. Where are you, Roma? Where am I? Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm like a, a stranded soldier Just in like the Death deserts. Stranding. Uh, oh. I'm in, I'm in the, I'm on the Death Stranding beaches of yeah. Um, as well as Blue Sky at I Appreciate Your Butt. Uh, that is I A P P R E C I the number eighty uh U R B U T T I can I can spell um I can't count nor can I spell but I can in fact tweet and skeet all day um, the useful skills yes <laughs> so I'm there doing things um you if you're not familiar with it in uh. Our moonshot network here of additional postage required. You can find me there in episodes six and eight. So you should go check that out if you like space and mail um, and postmen and such like that. Um, let's see. What else do I do? Oh, I'm on TikTok a lot. Um, you may have True. found me through TikTok and you could find me there at the Hyperfix Pod. Um, I have my own TikTok and I haven't touched it in ages, probably since I had a she or her in my pronouns. It's been a hot minute. Um, But yeah. Uh, And then we're going to plug in the rest of the plugs and post somewhere around here with the patrons. It's plug time. Uh, Thank you to the Moonshot Network for letting this podcast exist. Without the Moonshot Network, I probably wouldn't have had the balls to do it. And you can see other podcasts that the Moonshot Network made possible at twitter.com forward slash moonshot pods. Or you can see us do streamy cool stuff at moonshot.mov, moonshot.mov. Or just see everything, the whole lot, all of it at moonshotpods.com. And 
you know what? From there, you can find many ways to support the entire network. But if you also want to support, you know, this little podcast right here, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash the hyperfixation. From there, we have a special, special select group of operatives known as our patrons who without them would not make this voyage into info dumping possible. And that is the following, the wonderful, the elusive. Burr. Thank you, Burr. Becky Scott barely makes it happen on this podcast. Hey, it's Ken. Ken makes shit happen on the podcast. And Flo is one of the patrons that makes shit happen on the podcast. And you, too can be in the outro part of this podcast by going to our patreon.com forward slash the hyperfixation where you too can have your voice saying your name saying in my funny voice and support this lovely little podcast and all that we do. But if that doesn't work for you, that's okay because we also have a red bubble store and that link for the red bubble store should be in the description of the podcast episode. It is new. And I hope to God, as of time of this recording, that it is working. <laughs> um, I also got to thank Offuscate, that is O-F-U-S-K-A-T-E, for our intro and outro music. They are amazing. And you can check out their work on Instagram and SoundCloud and Twitter, um, O-F-U-S-K-A-T-E. And thank you to our editor for this episode, who is Lewis. You can find Lewis at twitter.com forward slash selborsiel, S-E-L-B-O-R-S-I-U-L. And give them love. Give them a little, little kiss, little smooch digitally. Um, and if you want to check out everything else the hyperfixation does, we're on Tumblr, we're on TikTok, we're on Twitch. Are we on Twitch? Not sure. We're on Twitter at the hyperfix pod for you too can see the shit we do. Now, back to the episode. Yeah, we'll get them. We'll get them. We'll get and, them. Um, get them patrons. We got them patrons. I hope everyone is safe. Drink water. Um, take your vitamins. Watch Star Trek. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. And do. from corporations and come back and tell our own fanfic-inspired actual plays with them. We do things like a Star Wars podcast that takes place 300 years after The Last Jedi. What if any Zoids media was good? We tell stories in those spaces that are better than the ones that the corporations tell us because we're not fucking cowards. Please, come join us at Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends to hear a plethora of wonderful stories every once in a while on the Moonshot Podcast Network. Riley Hopkins and their amazing friends. 
hosted by me, Riley Hopkins. <laughs>